Blog Talk Radio. back to 1986. Of course, 
it's basically the lead story everywhere. All the sports shows talking about it, radio, TV, where you want to look. The U.S. men's national team in soccer will not be participating in the upcoming World Cup. When it comes around, we'll be on the outside looking in. An unusual position to find ourselves in. That is going to be what's going to take place because the United States failed Trinidad and Tobago last night. When all they need to do is tie them, beat them, that's just gravy. If you get the win, you're able to qualify and, you know, scratch your name into the fray. And they fell behind two to nothing, lost two to one. Trinidad and Tobago, who didn't have anything to play for. It wasn't like they were playing to get in as well, where it was intense and both teams got to lay on the line loser goes home, so to speak. They weren't going to make it. They were already out of it. And they just played the role of spoiler, if you want to call it that. And here we are. It's fitting that we're in October. Let's <laughs> talk about spoiler because, you know, at the end of all the baseball seasons, you know, September's winding down. And in most years, unlike this year, you have a lot of close pennant races, division races, wild card races. A lot of that comes down to the final week of the season, the final weekend of the season, final Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it's always the way the schedule's made, teams in the same division playing each other. And, you know, sometimes you have two teams in the division that are good that have to, you know, lay on the line and play for seeding, play for a division. Or you might have a good team playing a team that's been out of it forever. But yet they're in the same division. So you might have, you know, you know, the Nationals in the in, in L.A. East, you know, playing my Braves, been out of it forever. Or, you know, uh, the Cubs playing the Reds. The Reds haven't had to play for in forever. But the Reds and the Braves could play spoiler, could throw a monkey wrench in the Nationals and the Cubs season or division title hopes, things of that nature. The team with nothing to play for comes out, lays it all in line, guns blazing, wins against the team that is superior, it kind of messes up their postseason journey for a little bit. Uh, that's kind of what Trinidad and Tobago did last night. The United States has, you know, is playing for a spot in the World Cup. Trinidad and Tobago, they're out of it, yet they come to play and knock off the United States. So there's that number. 1986, what we're talking about. United States will be on the outside looking in when it comes to World Cup play for the first time since 1986. So see, here we are talking about that number again. We just quit talking about 1986 when it comes to Kentucky and Florida. Now, we'll have to revisit it again uh, next summer and next September. And when the schedule comes out, it will be Florida. It will be the second game of the year next year. So we jump right into SEC play down in Gainesville. So all of this will come back again to get rehashed. The 1986 streak will get rehashed. The 10-3 win over Florida, 
will be brought up again. Bill Ramsdale will be brought up again, the last quarterback to beat Florida. And we'll go through it again like we did this year. The gap is being closed. Just won't ever get over the hump. And now we got 1986 for a different reason when it comes to U.S. men's national team. So some guys that were fixtures on that team are kind of long in the tooth, up in years. Dempsey and Howard, seen those guys for years. They're up into their 30s. The goalie, Tim Howard, is 38. Clint Dempsey is 34. So you're not going to see him on this high stage again when it comes to playing for U.S. men's national team. So that's kind of the, the most sour of taste that you can have in your mouth to kind of end your career playing on the national team. And it's unfortunate that that's the way it has to kind of end for them, falling to Trinidad and Tobago and not qualifying for the World Cup. Bruce Arena coached the men's national team, stepped away, and then was brought back to kind of revamp it and, and boost it. And that's not what happened. So be a change there. Will they just clean the house and redo everything? Who knows? We shall see. But there will be a lot of changes just from the fact that new players coming in and probably a coaching change that has to be made when a loss like this is sustained. So very, very unfortunate to see it play out like that last night. Um, and once again, like I said, 1986 just just refuses to go away. Maybe we should start talking about 1986 or talk about something positive in 1986 at, at some point in time. Um, what else happened in 1986? Well, <laughs> the, the Mets beat the Red Sox in the World Series that year. So I think that's the Bill Buckner year. First World Series I remember watching. I mean, that's not good for Red Sox fans, but that was an entertaining World Series for everybody outside of New England. Um, you know, those Mets, Darren Strawberry, Juan Gooden, Keith Hernandez, Lukey Wilson, Gary Carter. It's the first World Series I ever remember watching, so it was, it was entertaining. Uh, Dad was a big Mets fan, so I remember watching that with him. Uh, 1986, the Celtics won the championship over the Rockets. The Bears won the Super Bowl in 86 for the 85 season. I remember the 85 Bears. So there's other stuff that happened in 1986. Um, Kentucky being Florida and now the United States have qualified for all the World Cups since 1986, up until this next one that happens. And it will be very odd to see the United States missing from the pool. Um, and even... Those of us, a lot of us, who aren't huge soccer fans, don't really care for soccer, you kind of feel the buzz and everybody getting caught up in keeping up with those World Cup games or tuning in and peeking at some of those World Cup games. Um, if you work with soccer fans, if you work with people from other countries, they really get pumped up about it. And, and you hear them talking about it. You kind of talk to them about it. So it's cool. And now... Those of us who are barely even casual, 
will definitely probably be checked totally out because the United States won't even be in there. So uh, it's going to be weird and <laughs> strange, odd, whatever you want to call it, to say the least, when it is time for the World Cup play to start. So um, kind of had to start with that. Who would have thought that soccer would, you know, <laughs> lead the way for the show? But it has. So that is big news. It's unfortunate news. But um, it's kind of the way it is. The U.S. Men's National Team as currently constructed. Got a lot of MLB to talk about. Got the Cubs and Nationals. A lot of Steven Strasburg drama. Getting paid like an ace in the face of the franchise and then not really wanting to take the ball with the season on the line. So he was pitching and he wasn't. He was sick, then he's better and he's going to pitch and he's not. Just a real big, crazy situation. Dusty Baker covering for him. So a lot of drama surrounding the Nationals as they play the defending champion Chicago Cubs to try to force a game five back in Washington Nationals Park. So uh, a lot of weird stuff going on. We'll talk about that a little bit. Talk some NBA as well. Of course we'll talk Kentucky football and get your thoughts on the Big Blue Bandits. How excited are you for that? How hyped are you for it? Are you going to be there at Rupp Arena Friday? Uh, we'll talk about all that as well. Uh, Cats Talk Wednesday, rolling on. October the 11th. Happy Wednesday evening to everybody. We'll take us a quick break and be right back. Y'all stay right with us.
which means you're going to have 31 straight losses to the Gators, but you'll be 5-1 at the bye. Would you take that? And the loss to Florida could have been any kind of way. Could have been a blowout. Could have been a nail-biter. Could have been a kick in the gut and a kick upside the head like it was. But if somebody in June says, would you take Kentucky 5-1, and one, only lost to the Gators? If somebody says that in June, would you take it? Definitely. And we've been talking about since last year, this time last year, when this year's schedule came out, talking about how the schedule set up, you didn't have to play Alabama and LSU out of the West, even though I mean LSU, eh, not as daunting as they normally are. Um, but you don't have to play Alabama. You played them last year. You get the two Mississippi State, uh, the two Mississippi schools are your teams from the West, and you get them both at home. Mississippi State, the annual rival, Ole Miss rotates in, so. You still have them to play. You have Tennessee, who, you know, a lot was predicted that they would slide, and they are definitely doing that. They've had some drama in the bye week and changing quarterbacks and things like that, and Butch Jones is just <laughs> trying to play his mind games. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But you have Tennessee, who hasn't looked good at all. And as bad as they look, they had Florida beat in the swamp. So the way the schedule laid out, we've been talking about it for months, the two Mississippi schools, a influx Tennessee team, a Tennessee team with issues coming to Lexington right after they play Alabama at Tuscaloosa. Vanderbilt. Always tough. It'll be on the road. Um, but they've kind of come down to earth after a hot start. They've, they've been slapped around and kind of had some doses of reality in consecutive weeks. They were riding high after week three, knocking off 18th ranked Kansas State. First time they beat a ranked team in who knows when. And then Alabama comes in, and then. Georgia right after that. No, Alabama comes in, then they go to Florida, and then they play Georgia. So <laughs> three great weeks to start the season and three great beatdowns. Now they played Florida tough. They were in that game uh, for the bulk of it. I mean, it was toe-to-toe for a long time before they fell 38-24. But they started 3-0, and now they're 3-3, and and kind of trying to put it all together again. Kentucky could be three and three, and there's years where we would have taken three and three, would have happily taken three and three, because we've been sitting at two and four, or you know, go back to the Curry days, zero and six. So three and three would have looked great. Kentucky's five and one. You know, you look. We know the offensive line is is not last year's offensive line. You gotta just accept that. You know, not just blowing up and making mammoth cavernous holes for the backs to run through like they were last year. Had more pieces in place to rotate along that offensive line last year. You had Boone Williams hitting home runs, the home run hit of the game breaker 
popping 60, 70-yard runs, you know, gashing defenses. It's not been the case. Had trouble getting a push. Now, we all know the BB and Talk Talk guys can go into extra super-duper detail, get all technical. We've had them on before. If you're not getting that push, they've been banged up all year. Starting off at Southern Miss, banged up. Butchie and Nick Haynes and all those guys, you know, been just nicked up from the jump. So to get through that nagging injuries that just compound from week to week, to get through that, to get through the high snaps that we saw all the time, you know, Drake Jackson has come in and we've seen that go away. We've seen him uh, take that position. We don't see high snaps anymore. Even when the snaps weren't going over the back head, they were still having to reach for it, and it was still you got to reach up to catch the ball, and it just takes a split second to reach up, but it just takes a split second also to mess up the timing of the play. The hole might have been there. Had the snap been clean, the back could have hit that hole, found that crease, hit that daylight, but just that little hair off, just enough to just mess everything up. We saw that all the time in the first three or four weeks of the season. We haven't seen that as much anymore. And we saw kind of Drake Jackson having to fill his way, saw him get some blocks against Eastern Michigan. Well, yeah, that's to be expected. Kind of get thrown into the fire. They kind of were bringing him along, got to the point, hey, you got to play. So we need somebody that can just make a good snap. So there were some times where you saw him whiff on some blocks. But, hey, that's better than everybody having to run and retrieve a fumble and try to regroup after losing 12, 15, 18 yards. So you saw him play better just because you get more acclimated to the speed of the game. Not high school anymore, getting used to the college game. So getting used to the physicality of the guys across the line scrimmage from him. We saw all that. We started transition. So we, we still, you know, See little things that we can nitpick. You know that the coaches see it, and we see it, or sometimes you see fans on Twitter and fans frustrated about it. You know the coaches see it. In spite of all that, they're five and one. Uh, saw some games where the protection was an issue. Eastern Michigan, the run wasn't working. Didn't beat on some pass rushing. Protection for Stephen Johnson was a problem. So you're able to get by. I think uh, the big thing is you start a team getting better in the second half of the year. After the 0-2 start, going 7-3 and down the stretch, and you saw the line get stronger. You saw the running game get stronger. You saw them imposing their will on teams. And sometimes fans got to have a tendency to think that one thing will just carry right on over, especially when a lot of the same pieces are there. Just carry that right on over into this year and pick up right where you left off. You got Benny that's a sophomore now. You still got a lot of that guys, guys back from that O-line. Just pick right back up and pound things again like you were at the end of last year. And that wasn't happening. You're still winning, though, but that's not happening. And you lost Cole Mosier. And John Toe moves on. So, in theory, you, you don't have everybody back. You still had depth. You still had a good line. 
but the PE just weren't clicking like they were last year. In spite of all that, you still win it. Sure. Didn't blow out Southern Miss. Didn't blow out Eastern <laughs> Kentucky. Didn't blow out Eastern Michigan. And then from the SEC standpoint, on paper, didn't blow out Missouri. And, you know, for the first time, the defense was was getting smacked around and they're not able to do what they've been doing all season long. They've been stout against the run, um, getting pressure on third and long. We saw Ish Witter from Missouri put in work and have himself a really good game. We saw Drew Locke, Jamar Moore, Emmanuel, and all those receivers. Once <laughs> they found the deep ball, found success with the deep ball, they punished Kentucky over the top. Time and time and time again with the deep ball. But Kentucky was able to survive. They were able to get through that game. And once again, they said five and one. It was forty to thirty-four, closer than it should have been. But a win is a win is a win. It was cardiac. It came down to the last play again, just like it did with Eastern Michigan. Uh, and and we, we saw them get a stop when they needed to uh, to secure the win. So we'll talk more about that. We'll take our uh, second break of the evening, get back more into Kentucky and Missouri. Uh, I was able to cover that game from Cameron Mills Radio. So got to be in the press box, got to go down on the field, got to run around a little bit. It was a lot of fun. We'll talk about that. We'll get into it a little bit more on the other side. But this, of course, is Cast Off Wednesday. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, 845-277-9373 at Cast Off Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter. Got a couple of questions that have been tweeted out. Get your thoughts on those. Y'all feel free to, to reply, retweet them, whatever you want to do. Throw your answers back and call in with your answers. Agree, disagree, agree, disagree, whatever you want to do, we'll do it all. In just a minute. We'll be right back after this next break for a lot more fun that we're having on this show. Y'all stay with us. I ain't going nowhere. Y'all don't go nowhere either.
never knew what I would do without you But now that I found truth, I can't let go And to ask for your permission, that would be crazy Everybody. 
and it's cool that it is at the same time as a bye week for for Kentucky football. So you don't have to juggle. Everybody would have juggled had Big Blue Bandits been at the same time as a football game. The juggling would have been done. There's no doubt about that. But juggling does not have to be done now. You can do Have your whole Saturday free. Have your whole, I'm sorry, your whole Friday free. Pick Big Blue Bandits on Friday night. Then your weekend is free to do whatever. You don't have a football game this week. It's going to be at Mississippi State next week. So how hyped are you about Big Blue Bandits? Finally get to see this team kind of for the first time. You know, we saw them Sunday at Pro Day. Uh, going to do some drills. Do some vertical stuff. Do a shooting four and five, five and four. How did Diallo that forty-four and a half inch vertical? And the Kentucky men's basketball Twitter account just kind of did the slow mo deal. He decided to continue to elevate and elevate and elevate and rise and rise, and then finally kind of plateau and level off and descend down. Nice and easy. That was that was awesome. We knew he was a freak, and he kind of showed us that. And everybody has got wingspan and length for days on this team. Um, it's it's going to be crazy how long they are. The length is just ridiculous. Long arms on top of long arms. Um, back in the day, everybody talked about how Tony Duff's arms were so long, the wingspan he had. Six one, but his arms were a lot longer than that. Now everybody is like that. I mean, Quaddy Green is, you know, and I'm a root for the short guy, so I'm a short guy. Quaddy uh, Green is the short guy on the team. He stands out. He's smaller. Quaddy, Dylan Twilio, Brad Calipari, and all those guys. The shorter guys stand out. Quaddy Green and a bunch of long dudes is what we're gonna see out there on the court. So we're excited about the pro day. How hype are you for Big Blue Badness? Are you going Friday? Are you going to be there? I may be there. I might be there as a fan. Not covering it but for Cameron's Radio, but I might just hop up in there uh, as a fan. I think I might roll on up there and check out Big Blue Madness this coming Friday. It's definitely always exciting. Who's going to show out? Who's going to, you know, as far as the entertainment standpoint, the putting on the show standpoint, you know, Drake's supposed to be in the house. What's Coach Mitchell going to do? The entertainment value, you know, that's always uh, a focal point. And then you get to see him get out on the court a little bit after that. So it's always a fun time. Uh, nobody does it like UK does it. And don't talk a lot of recruiting on here because just don't keep up with it. But as always, there's going to be big-time recruits in the building. Zion uh, Williamson, who's, you know, everybody knows his name. Even if you don't keep up recruiting, uh, he's had a few trips scheduled to Lexington prior to this trip that he's going to be there for Friday, but he had to cancel, had some 
extenuating circumstances in the family and things like that that kept him from being there. He was supposed to be there when John Wall was getting inducted into the UK Athletics Hall of Fame with Randall Cobb. No, the others didn't work for me here that weekend. It's going to be there Friday. Bowl, bowl. It's supposed to be here Friday. Sort of minute bowl. And if you're just, you know, if you're uh, up in age a little bit like myself, you remember minute 7677 from Sudan. And, I mean, shot blocker extraordinaire. But he could also step out and shoot threes. Played for several teams, uh, played for the Bullets, uh, Philly, uh, when he was with, and of course, kids, the Bullets, that's the Wizards now, back in the days of Washington Bullets. Played with a point guard named Muggsy Bogues, who was 5'3". So, you, I mean, you had 7'7", seven, seven Manute Bogues, 5'3". Tyrone Muggsy Bogues, who went to Wake Forest, on the same team. Uh, have to Google that picture. Just Google Muggsy Bogues and Luke Bogues, and that picture will come up. And uh, it's just crazy looking at the picture of those two. Uh, but Manute, I mean, he was seven seven. Of course, thin, long, and thin, but didn't get pushed around as bad as you think. You know, he was able to, you know, there's this, this video of him just blocking shot after shot after shot. Uh, I think he was against Barkley and the Sixers, I think. And the guys just kept getting a rebound and kept trying to go right back up at him. And he just kept swatting it, swatting it, swatting it. And at, the, at some point, you're like, look, y'all, you know, bring it back out and set up a play. Because what y'all doing ain't working. But he was a great shot blocker, had great personality, uh, and he could step out and shoot the three as well. So Bobo is the son of Manute, and he's got polish in his game, even more so than his father, who uh, tragically passed away a few years ago. But it would be cool to see Bobo, if he decides to do so, be in a Kentucky uniform. And the possibility of Shaq, so too, Sharif O'Neal, maybe looking at Kentucky here, committed to Arizona. Uh, they were part of the scandal. They had some coaches that were involved in the scandal with the FBI that's really hit Louisville hardest of everyone so far. Uh, but Auburn, Arizona, Oklahoma State had assistants that were implicated as well. Had to be either put on administrative leave or been related to their duties altogether. Um, so you had some guys there that were committed, but now might take a step back, reopen uh, their recruitment. So Kentucky uh, so could become an option for some of those guys coming back from other schools. Like I said, I'm not a huge recruiting guy. Y'all already know that, but uh, we'll see how it all plays out. It'll be interesting see how every bit of it plays out. Our second question, just because of the time of year it is, uh, I always think it's cool. It's, it's, it's a tough question. I mean, there's no wrong answer. But what is your favorite sports month? October or March? 
those are, you know, the fall of the year, a lot going on, the spring of the year, there's a lot going on. When you look right now, the NFL is rolling. Major League Baseball has started postseason play. You've got the uh, division series. Some of them are wrapping up. you still got a couple going. About to have the ALCS and NLCS kicking off. Uh, college football, the NFL, Major League Baseball postseason, NBA preseason, and next week we'll have NBA regular season. And opening night is the 17th with the season being moved up. Uh, as far as the starting point of the season being moved up. So what do you prefer? What's your favorite? October, with all that going on, high school football as well, high school basketball starting up, or are you a bigger fan of March when you have, of course, the college basketball season comes to its conclusion, you got SEC tournament, you got March Madness coming up, the NCAA tournament, you've got baseball that's about to start, you've got opening day right around the corner, You've got high school basketball wrapping up with the state tournament in Rough Arena right before, you know, the tournament starts in college. So which one are you more of a fan of? Which month are you a bigger fan of, March or October? That poll is on at Cats Talk Wednesday uh, Twitter feed. Got some votes on it already. Let's check the tally and see where we stand. Just put it out there. Got nine votes right now, and it is October, 56% to 44%. Uh, slightly to the month of October right now. Um, and let's see. Steve Shaughnessy tweeted into the show. Yeah, he was a fan of all sports and then the best sports tournaments. We're talking about March Madness. So we're kind of leaning towards March. But like I said, there's no wrong answer. That's why I threw the question out there. Um, I might lean towards October just because you have the college football going, you have the NFL going, you know, you know, my Cowboys are tripping. I'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, you've got the MLB playoffs going you got the Cubs out here trying to defend their World Series title. You've got the Cleveland Indians, who now have the monkey on their back. The Cubs had the 108-year drought, hadn't won the World Series since 1908, won it in 2016. So they don't have to be labeled as a team with the longest drought anymore. That now goes to the Cleveland Indians, who haven't won a World Series since 1948. They're going on 69 years without a title. They jump out on the Yankees two games to none, looking like they're ready to move on to the next round, go to New York, and they drop two in a row. So now it's two to two. Now you got a game five for all the marbles back in Cleveland. And you got Cleveland, who had the Cubs down three to one last year in a battle of the two teams that have the worst, longest drought in MLB history between World Series titles. Now, when you look at the Cubs last year prior to them winning it, I mean, you know, 108 years, that is a long time. The, the Cubs World Series drought was 40 years old 
when Cleveland last won their World Series. Now think about that. You got the Cleveland Indians haven't won a World Series since 1948. And that is a long time. But the Cubs drought was 40 years older than that. Like, for nobody in Chicago felt sorry for Cleveland. Like, like, look, man, y'all won in 1948. Try having to wait since 1908. So, it's just crazy. So, is Cleveland going to have that kind of here we go again? Because, look, they were up 3-1 a game away from being the champs. They weren't able to get it done. Much like Golden State was up 3-1 on the Cavs when they were to get it done, the Indians ended up doing the same thing, choking away a 3-1 lead. Now they had the Yankees 2-0. Now it's 2-2. Here we are, elimination game again. Five games, best out of five in the division series. But it's just like they were last year. Here we are again. Can they battle back? They're playing at home. Got Corey Kluber going, probably going to win the AL Cy Young Award. Best right-handed pitcher in baseball. Going up against crafty lefty Wiley, C.C. Sebastian, who has been there, won titles, played with Jeter and A-Rod and all those guys. So he's not going to be intimidated. He's not going to be scared or rattled. He even used to play for the Cleveland Indians back when he started out as a young dude in his prime. So he even knows that ballpark well. He used to be a member of the Indians. So it's going to be fun to see how that plays out uh, and see who moves on to play the Houston Astros in the American League Championship Series. So still got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We'll continue to do so and get back to Kentucky and Mizzou. Uh-oh. Because I just kind of got off a little tangent there. And, I'm, and I might happen again, too. Who's to say I won't get off on another little tangent and then come back to some UK football uh, just to kind of bring it all back around? Y'all know how it is. This is Cast Talk Wednesday. Any already here. Right Hardy Radio Network. BlockTalkRadio.com. Y'all stay right on here. Keep on listening. We'll be right back.
seconds, I'm just here to claim my prize. Got me so damn hot, I think I need a bag of ice. Charcoal and light a fluid, so we can go and do it. We can go and do it. We can go and do it. Welcome back to Can't Stop Wednesday. Benny Hardy here. Rolling through, halfway through another show. Uh, like I mentioned a couple seconds ago, got to cover UK versus Missouri. Cameron Mills Radio. Uh, running a Twitter account for at Cameron Radio. I throw the tweet online every now and then as well, but it's always fun getting to do that. So get there early. You have heard Terry and I talk about it. Get there early. Whether it's basketball or football, get there early. Give yourself plenty of time just to to soak it all up and take it all in. So got down there about, it probably was about 3.30, so I can just, you know, just, just stroll around, go the field couple hours before, which the press box opened actually at 4.30, so it was three hours before game time when I could actually get in there, but uh, just, just stroll around and see who you're going to run into, get there in plenty of time to, to uh, you know, take pictures of the catwalk and uh, just mill around and, and bump into people that you may or may not know and stuff like that, see how many fans Missouri brought. And I, I put out uh, a tweet for a guy from Missouri. He actually has a fight in the show. Uh, his name was like Joe or Joel. I have to find it. But he has some loud, super loud, kind of like those those loud mouth brand pants that John Daly made famous and popular, those golf pants. They were Missouri yellow and black. Uh, and he was just strutting around. <laughs> with, the, with the parachute pants all around Kroger Field. And so I got to talk to him for a minute. He was cool. And going to be back in like doing Missouri plays and Ducky and basketball. But, of course, he was how Missouri thought Missouri was going to win. He, of course, everything on his fight was all Missouri. And Missouri played a good game. And, and of course, like I said, cardiac again kept it a lot closer than everybody thought. Well, especially once they start hitting your take with those deep balls. But it it was really, you know, one team was coming off of a bye. One team was playing its final game before having a bye. And you could tell Missouri was one and three. But you, you saw them kind of get a little pep in their step. There was times where Kentucky – could have and should have knocked them out. You know, you're up 13 to nothing. Uh, this team is one and three. This team fired its defensive coordinator in the second week of the season, but they hit Kentucky, boom, over the top, 15-yard touchdown. Boom, quick strike, they're back in the game. So you saw them fired up. Hey, okay, they were energized. 20 to seven, same scenario again. Got them on the ropes. Boom. They go deep again. Aerial assault, and, you know, they saw that it was working, and they were able to hit Kentucky again quick, 20 to 14. Uh, 
They get the ball back in the second half and we're able to get a field goal. Took a good stop on from getting into the end zone, 20 to 17. Um, so you saw them claw their way back into it, and you saw them energized and kind of starting to believe that, hey, we can come out here and steal a win on the road. We can turn our season around. And what the ironic thing about all this is Mark Stoops was saying this all week long leading up to the, to the game on Saturday. And Missouri reminded him of Kentucky last season. Kentucky starts off 0-2. Missouri's coming in the Lexington this past Saturday, one and three. He said that Missouri looked to him like a team that was, of course, trying to turn things around, trying to dig out of an early season hole that they dug for themselves by being atrocious on defense where you had to make a, a change already and trying to call back to being respectable. We saw Kentucky do it last year. We saw Mark Stoops take over play calling duties. Uh, we saw Benny Snell come into the game as a running back after not playing the first two games of the season. We saw Kentucky go 7-3 and three in the final 10 games of the season. Coach Stoops saw a lot of similarities in this Missouri team and last year's Kentucky team. Will Missouri go on and win? What are they now, 1-4, seven games left? They're going to go 6-1 in their last seven, 5-2 in their last seven. 5-2 would get them to 6-6 six and, six and get them to a bowl game, which would be considered quite a turnaround, especially for Barry Odom there, trying to rebuild things and get it back to the way it was before Barry, uh, Gary Pinkle retired and Michael Sam left and all those guys. If they go 5-2 down the stretch and get to a bowl, you know, that's, that is a great job of coaching. That remains to be seen whether they do that or not. Mark Stoops just said he saw similarities with them trying to get things turned around much the same way Kentucky did last year. So you got that team that has the potential to turn it around. You have a team coming off of bye week. You have Kentucky, who is just kind of, you know, I wrote my article on CarolinaMissRadio.com. Kentucky gets by Missouri, and they drag themselves to the bye week at 5-1. Kentucky was just, just kind of hanging on and dragging themselves to the end of that game Saturday with the lead. Talked about it last Wednesday. Is Kentucky going to be, you know, you got to focus. You know the bye week is there. Are you already mentally on that break? Are you already mentally on that bye before you finish handling business against Missouri? We've seen teams in the major leagues do that. That final game on Sunday before the All-Star break, mentally, are you in the ballpark that Sunday? Are you already on that three-day break, three or four-day break that you're going to get after playing a grueling 80, 90 games to get to the halfway point of the baseball season? Credit to Kentucky for hanging in getting the win, gutting it out, getting to five and one, and now you get to your bye week. It would have been terrible to lose, drop this game to Missouri right before the bye week, and then you got to sit on that loss for two weeks before you go down to Mississippi State. So credit to them for, you know, gutting it out, making it 
through to the end of that game. And we saw guys get injured left and right. Saturday, Chris Westry left, didn't return, uh, neck injury. We saw Nicholas um, Pringle leave, didn't return, hip injury, back injury. So guys were dropping as the, that's what I said, dreaded to drag and, and claw their way to that win Saturday. I mean, literally and figuratively, uh, it, it was a gut check type of win. They were able to get it done. The secondary had a lot of struggles. Once Missouri kind of hit them, they were able to, to, you know, look, if it's working, we're going to keep doing it until you stop it. Kentucky wasn't able to stop them most of the time. They they got to stop at the end when they needed it. They got a few field goal attempts uh, and kept Missouri at the end zone when they needed that as well uh, to to get to the 40-34 win. How about Stevie Johnson? If you hadn't seen the photos, Andrew Bishop, we got the perfect one of him hurdling the defender. He got clocked on the way down, but bounced right up. Um, a lot of great pictures that Andrew was able to get. Uh, that one, uh, I kind of went in the box because he took a full flush hit, you know, from the defender, and then bam, he hit the ground. Just as hard a split second later, pop right back up. We talked about the running game not being able to get that push. Offensive line hasn't just been able to maul people and control the line of scrimmage like we saw last year. And we hear complaints about why run at the middle, why run the wildcat. And, you know, it can be frustrating. You know, they haven't been able to get clicking yet. But you see what happens when you don't give up. You still run that ball at the middle, and we saw Benny Snell pop one. We saw him pop a 71-yard touchdown run. They got the play block right. We got off his line on the second level. Benny hit it just at the right time. So you see where you want to be, what you want to kind of do more consistently. Haven't been able to do it as successfully and consistently this year as you did last year in the run game standpoint. Big plays in the run game, running right at teams. Haven't seen that, but you saw it Saturday. And if they had abandoned the run, you know, Benny doesn't have a 100-yard game. Benny doesn't have a 71-yard long run for the day. So you, you see why People might want to say, well, they're stubborn. But you see how if you continue to kind of, you know, do it, you can have success. You know, you see batters in baseball on the slump, and then they break out of it, you know, with a three-hit game, a four-hit game, and they've been scuffling. We've seen the running game scuffling, scuffling, struggling, but yet you saw them pop that one. Uh, no doubt a lot of tinkering and stuff is going to be done as they're getting healthy but kind of adjusting and, and uh, emphasis on fundamentals, no doubt. Uh, back to basic mini kind of miniature mini camp, so to speak, during that bye week. And it looks like you have the entire team back healthy. Look to get Jordan Jones back. You know, we got Eli Brown balling out as linebacker. Jordan Jones has been gone for several weeks. That's your best linebacker. 
you get him back. Ahead to Mississippi State, a physical team, always. You know, you got the, uh, the quarterback down there, Nick. I remember his last name right now, but uh, big dynamic passer, big strong runner. Uh, you want to be at full strength going down there to start to be able to take on uh, Mississippi State down there. So if you get to 6 1, it does set up very nicely. Coming back against Tennessee and then you got Mississippi School, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, it, 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 it's all there to set up very, very nicely. I think you just need to continue one game at a time, handling business like they have thus far. Glad to see that Luke Wright tweeted out that, you know, he was doing okay because that was a very scary situation. You look up and all of a sudden everybody's taking a knee and he's like, what is happening? What's going on? Everybody in the press box is trying to answer Luke Wright, look like it is Luke Wright. And I mean that you just you just hold your breath. Every everybody in the stands, everybody in the press box, everybody watching at home, no doubt felt the same thing. You were just wanting uh, the young man to be safe. You wanting him to be healthy. You wanting him to be okay. Help him to be okay. That's all you wanted. And so it's good to see that he was able to tweak that he was all right. But it was definitely a scary situation. Week two, uh, got to sit by Larry Glover, and that dude is cool, man. He couldn't have been nicer. Terry got to sit beside of him when he covered the Eastern Michigan game, and we were, I was in the same location. The camera the Mills radio seat is that same seat, so I was beside Larry as well. It's fun talking with him uh, throughout the game, and he's just a class act. He's been doing it a long time as well. I'm talking with him, talking about his hometown, growing up outside of Owensboro. So I'm talking about Harlan County, and we were just swapping stories and having a good old time watching the game. The uh, long pass that Stephen Johnson hit <laughs> to Garrett Johnson, uh, Alan Cutler cracked everybody up because Garrett had one man to beat kind of gave him a little hesitation and then he just hit another gear and ran by the defender down the sideline. And <laughs> the press box got quiet. Everybody's kind of watching the play and, and you know, uh, watching it all unfold. And Alan Cutler just had a moment where he was at home on his couch or something in the bar. And he was like, oh, bleep. And <laughs> everybody just looked at him and laughed because, he said it so loud, and everybody just cracked up because it was an oblique moment because you didn't think Garrett was going to get the sideline, get the corner against that defender, and he did, and he hit that extra gear and blew by it. So it was uh, a very exciting play that Alan Cutler could not contain his excitement. So that was that was hilarious. Um, let's see. Oh, before the game, got to, of course, see friend of the show, uh, 
guy, Freddie Maggot, had him on our show several times. Uh, we got to go down and, and watch him do the countdown, the kickoff show, uh, right after the catwalk. Got to meet Christy Thomas for the first time. She's been on the show, uh, but I hadn't got to meet her personally. So we got to meet her face to face, shake her hand, and talk with her. And uh, it was fun. They gave me a shout out for all the shows. So I was standing right there. Uh, it was fun talking with them. And it was Curtis Birch, who is a big blue insider. He's getting very well right now. He's getting some bad. He does all kinds of stuff. He's doing the sports stuff as well. It was fun seeing them as well. Curtis, I finally getting to meet Christy. So. She's just as nice in person as she is, which you hear on the radio or see her on TV or see her on the field talking with fans and interviewing people on the sidelines of the game. So cool meeting Christy and always cool to see Freddie. From the SEC standpoint, from the scoreboard watching standpoint, LSU was able to come through for his Kentucky fans, as Florida finally kind of got a little dose of medicine um, and had to take a loss. They've been on borrowed time all year long. You know? Uh, they, you know, for all intents and purposes, they lost at home to Tennessee. They lost on the road at Kentucky. They finally dropped the game at home against LSU 17-16. This extra point came back to haunt them and bite them. So now they have a loss in the SEC as well. They still have to play Georgia. Of course, we know Kentucky has to go to Georgia as well. But when it comes to the East, that that brought Florida down a peg. Kentucky was able to take care of business against Missouri. Now both of them have one loss in the SEC. Georgia has to play Auburn. Georgia has to play Florida. Kentucky has to go to Georgia, who, I mean, they look really, really good right now. Kirby Smart in year two has them playing some ball. We saw Kentucky for the first time give up a lot of yardage in the run game against Missouri. Winter kid was able to have some success and get some long runs. Uh, we all know what Georgia has down there with Nick Chubb and Tony Michelle and the third string guy who can start for, you know, pretty much anybody in the SEC. So they are a formidable team. They, everybody's one of those kind of annoying. The collision course with them in Alabama that remains to be seen. But right now they are leading the SEC East. They destroyed Mississippi State. Back when Mississippi State was, you know, you had Kentucky, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt, kind of all the second-tier guys that want to be where the big boys are, all starting out 3-0. and You had, uh, you mentioned Vanderbilt beating Kansas State, Mississippi State destroying LSU, Kentucky doing what they had done. So all these teams are trying to move up, trying to move up. Vanderbilt, we talked about the Dulce Rally they've received. Mississippi State also got brought down against Auburn and Georgia in their tough stretch of games. Um, so they're 3-2 and two now and not flying quite as high. But no doubt they look at the Kentucky game as a chance for themselves to get right, to get themselves back turned around. Uh, 
no doubt we all know what Kentucky is looking at it as to continue down the path of a very, very good season. Perhaps probably, I mean, to be the best season they've had in my lifetime if they handle business, win the games they're supposed to win. It's on the table for them to have the best season they've ever had in my lifetime that I can remember watching myself. I was born in 77, so I'll say I was around for the Derrick Ramsey year, the 21 year, but I was an infant, so, you know, I don't remember watching any of those games, of course. So the potential is there for them to, you know, eight wins in the regular season. I was too young to even remember that happening. When they beat Wisconsin in that 84 bowl game, I don't remember that. I've seen seven and five regular seasons, from seven and five go to eight and five when they win the bowl game, when they beat Clemson and Florida State in those bowl games under Rich Brooks. I've seen eight wins when you include the bowl game, but not an eight-plus win regular season. Definitely not nine or ten. I've not even seen an eight and four in my lifetime. So it's all there. It's all there for them to do that. They play their cards right, you know, three and three second half and still get them to eight and four. But with the way the schedule is, the winnable games are there for them to even do better than eight and four. Uh, Tennessee is struggling. Tennessee should have beat Florida, didn't come back the next week and struggle against a winless UMass team that's winning 17 to 13. Butch Jones is berating the Knoxville media and talking to them like children, talking about there's too much negativity here. I know you have a job to do, but there's too much negativity. And he's just chewing them out. And then he goes out and loses to Georgia 41 to nothing at home. So they're owing to an SEC. Yeah, South Carolina coming in this Saturday, a team they lost to last year when last year was basically, I mean, on paper, their year to win the East, their year to go 11-1, and their year when they beat Florida and Georgia, you know, it's set up for them to win the East, then they end up losing to South Carolina and Vanderbilt and Texas a and somebody else. They dropped down to 8-4, and four, and Bush Jones was talking about championship of life and all that. We never made it to Atlanta, had won the East, but our guys were champions of life. And this week he was talking about mental reps on the bio week. And if you don't do a physical rep, you have a mental rep. You can also have a leadership rep. There's a lot of good leadership on this team. That's what a leadership rep is. But Bruce Jones was talking about it. And, you know, just not making himself look good at all. He's always saying these hokey, kooky, dopey, little phrases. We had the garbage can out there when they were playing Georgia Tech to start the year off. They were getting crushed for that. Um, everybody's, you know, kind of the laughing stock. So you get a Tennessee team that comes in that's about to make a quarterback change. They've been kind of playing two quarterbacks all year. Garantano and Dormandy. Rumors that Dormandy is transferring because Garantano was named a starter for Saturday's game against South Carolina. So they are in flux. They got a lot going on. And they got South Carolina. Then they're at Alabama. Then they come to Kentucky. 
so many people down here are done with Bush Jones. You know, got a lot of friends down here, and they are done. Now you go to the UT campus, you know that big rock down there. It's been painted with fire Bush Jones, get rid of Bush Jones. That's weeks ago. That was the case. But a lot of you know, my buddies are kind of objective. They're not the quick trigger, give a guy the hook type, but they're done. They were they were done after they lost to Florida. Because this is the second thing in a row. They should have beaten Florida and they lost on some last second, just goofy garbage stuff. Then you come out and struggle and barely beat UMass 17-13. That was it. They lost to Florida, so everybody expects to come out and just crush UMass. Get yourself ready to give it all you got for Georgia. And they work by UMass and then just get blown out by Georgia. So that was it. And then he smarted off to the media and all that leading up to the Georgia game. look. Don't treat us like we're stupid and then get your brains beat in 41 nothing by Georgia. You are lighting your own fire. You are just nuking your own boat. It's not going to work. So, I mean, he, he's painting himself into a corner of, you know, a lot of people either want the university to make a move or him just to choose to move on at the end of the season. Where they are, that's where Tennessee's at. Now, Kentucky still gonna have to beat them when they come late. And fair or not, these Kentucky fans know the history when it comes to beating Tennessee. As it happened in 2011, they had Derek Dooley as bumbling, stumbling, buffoon of a coach as you will ever see. But he went head-to-head and took two out of three from Kentucky against Joe Phillips. So we got him in 2011 in the street, but Derrick Dooley won two out of three. Which brings me to the Bush Jones hire. I laughed the day they hired Bush Jones because Bush Jones was at Cincinnati, one of the only, quote, semi-good wins that Tennessee fans to be proud of while Derrick Dooley was the coach at Tennessee was the win over Butch Jones in Cincinnati. Tennessee won by two or three scores. So I was literally just laughing my head off when they hired Butch Jones. I'm like, how are you going to hire a guy that Derrick Dooley had his way with? Derrick Dooley dominated this guy. How are you going to hire him? That's the man they hired. That's the coach they got. In his fifth year at Tennessee, it's like Mark Stoops in his fifth year at Kentucky. Kentucky's got to handle business against Tennessee, but this Tennessee team's going to come in with some issues. Uh, they got issues now. Maybe they beat South Carolina, maybe they don't, but, I mean, unless, you know, a miracle of all miracles happens, you know what's going to happen to them when they go to Tuscaloosa. And they'll be coming in off of that whooping when they come to Lexington. So it sets up, they'll be ripe for a loss. I guess he's going to have a business. 
They're gonna be. They really gonna be a team that you're supposed to beat. Beat the team you're supposed to beat, and it's gonna be hard to see Tennessee as anything other than a team you're supposed to beat by the time October 28th gets here for them to play at Kroger Field. So we shall see. We shall definitely see. So LSU, no doubt, everybody in the Commonwealth LSU fans Saturday. Florida takes a L. Tennessee is taking on water. A lot of holes in the boat right now for Bush Jones and Tennessee. And it's, it's coming from all sides, and he brought most of it on himself and just the way he kind of does things and the, the way he interacts with the media and the way he expects his fans just to, just to be dumb to all the goofy stuff he's trying to pull off. We shall see. Like I said, it's all there. It's setting up nicely for Kentucky. They just got to take care of their business and do what they need to do. Uh, last check, the Nationals were leading the Cubs. Oh, my goodness. It was one to nothing. Now it's five to nothing in the top of the eighth. And Steven Strasburg didn't want to pitch with sick, under the weather, whatever you want to say. They were looking a mess, and now they're in Chicago trying to even up the series to take it back to Washington for game five. Unbelievable. If this score holds up, the Cubs are going to need a lot of magic, a lot of late-inning magic, because we're up here in the eighth inning. Top of the eight, two outs. Yeah. So the Cubs have six outs left. They're down five runs. They're going to be looking at a game five, do or die game five in Washington, unless they get something going in these last two innings. Unbelievable. Uh, but this is just the whole weird situation with Strasburg not wanting to pitch, declining to start under the weather. And miraculously, now he's better. And obviously, he was dealing, which you you better go out and deal. Because, I mean, if you, you got to be really, really sick not to want to pitch or to decline a start. That's just weird. It's the playoffs. You're more the playoffs. It's the playoffs now. So, this is what you've been waiting for all year. You've been playing all summer for this, the playoffs. You are going up against the defending champs to force the game five. You should want the ball. You're the ace. You are a highly tied up, talented young player. You know, 2009, you come to the big leagues. You know, you were the hyped pitcher, just like Jason Hayward and Mike Trout and Bryce Harper were the highly talented up-and-coming hitters. So this would be a moment that you live for. Do you think Roger Clemens was going to decline a start? When you got a chance to force the game five, Randy Johnson going to decline to start. You got to be so sick you can't even crawl around. But if I mean just quote under the weather is just really really weird. So he's kind of maybe redeeming himself and atoning for all of that by blanking the Cubs after all this drama. So we may have ourselves a game five between the Cubs and the Nationals. We definitely have a game five coming up at 8 o'clock with the Yankees and the Indians. So, King Cleveland, uh, which kind of, you have to put them in the same position as North Carolina. 
who loses to Vanderbilt, I'm sorry, Vanderbilt, Villanova on that buzzer beater, and they use his motivation to get themselves back to the title game, and then they win the title. Can Cleveland do that? It, you know, they were cruising. Now they've made things hard for themselves. They have to play a game five. Granted, it is at home. Granted, they have Kluber, the best pitcher in the game, going for them on the mound. So uh, the rotation set up the way they want it. No doubt they probably wish they could have closed it out a game or two sooner. But you got to have a game five. Go down with your ace. Go down at home with home field advantage. And that's what they got. So they're not going to be scared of the Yankees. They're not going to be afraid. And maybe they can go out there take care of business. We shall see. I've, I've just never been a Yankees fan. I'm pulling for the Indians. Uh, I, you know, I was happy to see the Cubs come through and win the World Series after 108 years. The Cleveland Indians get back there. I'd like to see them in their drought of 69 years without a World Series title. So we shall see. We shall see. Time to take another quick break. Hope you're enjoying the show. Appreciate you uh, tuning in, taking the time to listen to your Wednesday evening. We will be right on back. Get some little more Mouse and Mario on here. They can flat out sing. We'll find a song to play. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back, y'all.
here, 845-277-9373, at Cast Talk Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter. Follow us on Twitter, like the Facebook page, uh, hit us up on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, anywhere you can download all the previous episodes of the show, listen to this show at your convenience, any of those ways.
as a member of New Orleans League, three yards of carry was the thing. That was your recurring thing. You have six for 18 in your first game. All total, you had 27 carries for 81 yards in four games as a member of the New Orleans Saints. Nine carries at Carolina was the most carries he got in a game. Nine carries for 33 yards. You start off the season having three carries, three yards of carry right on the button. You know, your time in New Orleans, Jeremy, three yards of carry right on the button. So you're 32 years old, now traded to the Arizona Cardinals, uh, and their stud running back, David Johnson, got hurt, uh, hurt a wrist for a long time with Arizona, and they've had trouble running the ball ever since. And to make room for Adrian Peterson, the Cardinals parted ways with a running back, a veteran running back who had some good years that are behind him. We're talking about Chris Johnson. Remember Chris Johnson with the Titans? Chris Johnson ran for 2,000 yards. Adrian Peterson, just five short years ago, ran for 2,000 yards. 2,097 yards. And it was just Nine yards shot of breaking Eric Dickerson's record for all time yards in the season. Uh, he almost rewrote the record book in that department. Um, and since that season, it's kind of been downhill. He's had 2,000 yard season since 2012. It's a 12.66 in 2013. Got hurt in 2014, only had 75 yards. Bounced back in 2015, 1,485 yards. And then been injury played again in 2016 and was trying to bounce back again in 2017. To bounce back will now have to continue in Phoenix as a member of the Arizona Cardinals. We have not gotten off to the start that they wanted to. Now they bring in education. You, uh, Kind of maybe thought it would be doomed from the start when you saw Pearson and Peyton going at it. You saw the little war words. You saw Agent Pearson voicing his displeasure. You know, after the game's over, he, like, he didn't remember. Yeah, they got a lot of guys who will say they don't remember stuff when it'd be hard to see how they forgot that it's happening during the game. When Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant was talking trash in Kevin Durant's Returned to OKC, and then Durant, like he didn't remember after the game was over. Uh, was it third quarter? I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, Adrian Peterson, like he didn't remember, uh, shouting at John Payton, letting him know that he wanted to touch the ball more. Uh, so it's just hilarious that this collective memory that they have once the post game press conference starts. But we'll see what Peterson does now as a member of the Arizona Cardinals. Speaking of the NFL, you know, the Dallas Cowboys are two and three going into the bye week. Could and should be for one uh, loss to the Packers, 35-31, after leaving Aaron Rodgers with a drive down the field and get the go-ahead touchdown, which everybody in the world knew was going to happen. Dallas scored a little too quickly. 
threw a pass that stopped the clock on the play prior to the go-ahead touchdown that put them on 31-28, which gave Packers 30, 35 seconds more than they would have had and they tried a running play. So Jason Garrett's getting a lot of scrutiny for that, a lot of heat for that. As he should, the defense, you just knew, I mean, it's, been deficient due to injuries and suspensions for quite some time. Poor Robert Nelly never really had a full complement to work with. You got David Irving back on defensive line. He had a sack and kind of made a little bit of impact. Um, but more often than not, they're trying to uh, make wine out of water on defense quite a bit. You score 31 points, that ought to be enough to win the game for you. The game before that, you score 30 points against the Rams, that ought to be enough to win the game for you. And they lost both of those games, had leads in both of those games, and weren't able to finish the game out. They were 21 6 on the Packers, 24 16 at halftime against the Rams, and then the Rams went on a 16-0 run in the second half. If you know, it's 32-24, trailing. Uh, so, Bob Lee kind of comes at a good time for the Cowboys as well. Much like Kentucky, the Cowboys running game isn't as dominant as it was last year. They aren't just mauling people like they were last year. Ezekiel Elliott's numbers are down. He's not just tearing it up like he did last year. Tyron Smith, left tackle, is hurt. I believe this is back. He plays with it every week. He probably should be resting. Uh, Travis Frederick, all those guys are just not the same elite group that they were last year. Uh, that is concerning. Defensively, that's concerning. Uh, I picked this team to go 10 and 6 at the start of the season, and that was even if Ezekiel Elliott had to serve his six game suspension. Still had Dan Machadin, still had Alfred Morris. You still had what you thought would be a very, very good offensive line. If you remember, after uh, the Cowboys went 12 and 4, and the following year Romo got hurt and they went 4 and 12, Dan Machadin still rushed for 1,000 yards. And that's with Brandon Whedon and Matt Castle and whoever they had at quarterback when you know you had no reason whatsoever to fear the quarterback. You had no reason to be scared of anything in the passing game, and the fans still ran for 1,000 yards. Now, 1,000 in the NFL isn't the same as 1,000 plus in college, but when you're on a 4-12 team with no quarterback to scare the defense, and you still get a running back 1,000 yards, I think that. You know, it's a, it a tip of the cap to the offensive line to be able to do that. Um, but they're not at that level right now. So, by week, you got to get them right. They will be going up against the 49ers, uh, who offensively they're talented, but defensively they're very good. So you're going to have to hit the ground running. If you're trying to work the kinks out, it's not – 
pushover of a defense that you're going to be going up against uh, Sunday after next when you come off of your bobby. But you got to get to three and three. You can't be slipping to two and four. Uh, Eagles haven't played anybody, but they are off to a good start. Play Carolina tomorrow. Maybe Cam Newton and the fellas can knock Philly off. That would definitely uh, be helpful when you do your scoreboard watching in the NFC East. Uh, we see, we shall see. But uh, not a good week, not a good two weeks for my Dallas Cowboys. We talked about the NBA and how the season is starting sooner. Uh, we've seen some contracts get signed. We've seen some guys get inked. And one of those guys is Joel Embiid. Yes, Philadelphia, trust the process. The big fella from Kansas has now signed a five-year, $140 million deal after playing in 31 games in three seasons. Now, when the dude is on the court and playing, this big man can play. He's athletic. He's had a three-point shot to his game. He's physically imposing. He's thrown down the post. Got great footwork, balance moves. I mean, he, he is in the running for the best one in the league. And you can literally say that with a straight face. Uh, he's going toe-to-toe with Boogie and, and all the other guys. I mean, it's not the centers like it was, but the big men that are true big men, He's right there. Health issues galore. Is he going to be great? Will he be able to get through it? Will it be another Oden, Greg Oden, Sam Bowie situation? You hate to mention those guys. You hope it doesn't go that route. Philadelphia is begging that he's going to be healthy and and go on to have a good career. Uh, Hopefully he can put those injuries behind him. Trust the process, Philadelphia has assembled some talent. <laughs> Joel Embiid, Okafor from Duke, I mean, he may never you know, be much more than he is right now. Ben Simmons from LSU, once again, injuries, if he's having to come to behind him, maybe you get both of them healthy this year. And then with the process, the tanking, whatever they did, whatever you want to call it, Markel Fultz, as the point guard, you got a lot of young talent there. Can uh, Brett Brown, the coach, put it all together? Uh, he's been up there just coaching and taking loss after loss after loss after loss. Be cool just for his sake to see him with a full complement of talent. You know, get to coach this talent that they've been taking for for all these years. <laughs> Speaking of, there's a uh, NBA draft lottery reform, which means that instead of the number one overall pick having a chance to uh, a greater chance percentage-wise to get the number one overall pick than the others, now like the top three teams all have the same probability across the board of receiving that top pick. So this has been an effort to say, hey, we're not going to just start losing games on purpose because even if we do and had the worst record in the league, we have just as good a chance as the second and third worst teams in the league to get the top pick, as opposed to us having a greater chance to get it 
because we lost a great amount of games. So we'll see if that curbs and and slows teams down from mailing it in, throwing in the towel, in hopes of getting the next great player that's coming out of college. <laughs> Daryl Morey, the GM of the Rockets, tweeted at Van Hinkie, the GM of the Sixers, when the NBA draft lottery reform went into effect by Adam Silver, the commissioner, and he said, tanking has been solved. So <laughs> he just he didn't pull any punches. Look, Cindy, we know you're taking. Now, taking is solved. So, uh, we shall see if that is actually the case. NBA starts next week. Looking forward to it. Kentucky basketball. Kentucky Madness. Are you going to be down there Friday? I think I will be down there Friday. If you're going to be there, tweet us into the show. Let us know you're going to be there. Uh, what's your favorite? Sports month. Now you might. I mean, I just picked those two because those two have a lot going on. I didn't pick August. August doesn't have anything going on. I could have picked January because you got you know NFL playoffs, uh, college football playoffs, things like that. But I just went March and October, spring versus fall because you know that's where things really kind of kick off and ramp up. March Madness, springtime. Leaves blooming, flowers blooming, the grass is getting green, and it's, it's just a wonderful time of year. Much the same way in October, leaves are turning, you got fall in the air, um, and then you got high school football, college football, uh, all of those things. So that's why I just kind of wanted to do a, a little comparison. Excuse me, I had to sneeze real quick. <clears throat> Comparison and the contrast of March and October. So vote on the, the poll that we got on Twitter as well. Let's pop back and see if the Cubs were able to rally or has Washington closed things out and shifted this series back to D.C. for the all- Decisive Game 5. MLB.com. Let's pull it up and see. Top of the ninth, the score remains 5 to nothing in favor of the Nationals. Cubs fans, there's a little bit of anxiety right now. W is not flying this evening. Maybe it'll fly in D.C. on... Fridays when this game five will be, um, but they're going to have to put together a huge rally now, still down five runs. Uh, the winner of this series will face the Dodgers, who dispatched the Diamondbacks in three games, and you, know, you talk about Cleveland trying to finally get over the hump and get to the series, the Dodgers too. They've been in the playoffs. They've been good. They've got this window with Kershaw and all of this talent, Bellinger and Seager and Turner. Um, brought in you Darvish to pitch it for the Rangers. They got a window that they want to try to take advantage of and get to a World Series. Now, World Series droughts, as far as droughts go, 
their draft is a baby. They last won the World Series in 1988. So, their draft's only 29 years old. So, Cleveland's like, get out of here. Try a 69-year-old draft. Once again, the Cleveland Indians drought was 40 years old when the Dodgers last won the World Series in 1988. <clears throat> the Dodgers are sitting back, seeing who they're going to face. Cubs are nationals. Now, the Cubs knocked the Dodgers out last year. You know, they probably say it doesn't matter who we face. We don't care. We just want to play good baseball and win the NLCS and get to the World Series. But part of me, you got to think that they might want their path to the World Series as they get there to go through uh, the Chicago Cubs. Or to beat the man, to beat the man, you got to beat the man. They got the chance. They might not have that opportunity if Washington beats them to it. You know, if Washington knocks them out, the Cubs may not have that opportunity. The Dodgers may not have that opportunity to uh, go up against the Cubs. So, uh, I didn't keep up with baseball a whole lot this year. The Braves were out of it quickly. But it was still always fun, even if you don't watch it as much during the summer. And this summer, I didn't watch as much as I normally do. It's always fun to peep at it in October because that intensity is there. It jumps through the TV. I mean, every pitch, every at-bat means something. There's so much riding on it. That's why we had Doug Flynn on last week, just to get into that playoff vibe with him, get his thoughts on who he was watching or who he thought going to do what, as well as talk about all uh, the great things he did in his career, being a part of two World Series title winning teams with the Cincinnati Reds, and then talk about his career after he moved on from Cincinnati. So that was awesome. And this Indian Jaguars game, I think, is going to be very good as well. It's game five. You got the defending AL champs against the Yankees. Yankee team isn't stacked like the Yankee teams in the past, but it's still a pinstripe. It's still the New York Yankees. Anytime you can knock them off, it doesn't matter how good or bad they are, you want to be able to do it. Jay Francona, of course, did his thing with the Red Sox. Uh, won a couple more series in Boston. Toe to toe with the Yankees year, year in and year out. So he knows what they're all about. Speaking of the Red Sox, they fired John Farrell today because they got bounced in the ALDS again. This time it was by the Astros. Farrell was there five years, won a World Series title, won the AL East Division three times. Um, he finished last place a couple of years, but the past two years he won the division but couldn't get out of the ALDS. So Boston was like, what have you done for us lately? Apparently, not enough. So the Red Sox are going to be on the market for a new manager. Uh, they've got a lot of talent. Pajori's uh, getting a little older, special basements, but uh, they still definitely want to be a player in the American League. And if the Yankees get by the Indians, you know, that's just going to just gonna be salt in their wounds, having to sit at home and watch the Yankees uh, play the Astros and see who goes to the World Series. We shall see. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's 
said, you know, postseason baseball is for having watched all year. It's going to be great. So, personally, it'd be cool to see the Astros. Uh, they made it to the World Series on five. They are loaded. they got a young team. In the American League, which still seems weird, uh, you know, of course, back in the day, the Red Walking Bridge used to be in the American League, now they're in the National League. So eventually, everybody will get used to that. But the Astros are loaded. They got a good squad for a while there. It was them, the Dodgers, that were the best teams in baseball. The Astros had some injuries. You know, had a few losing streaks here and there, so they kind of came back down to the pack. And then the Indians got hot and won 22 in a row. So nobody talked about the Astros anymore. But Houston still got a squad. So the Astros are sitting there waiting to uh, see who wins this Cleveland and New York series. So, had a lot of fun, talked about a lot of stuff, continues on the bye week, enjoy the bye, enjoy Big Blue Madness, look to see y'all next week, check out the podcast, blog, talkradio.com slash cast talk, we'll be here doing it all again next Wednesday, talking about Big Blue Madness, talking about other games in the SEC, talking about Kentucky and Mississippi State, we'll be looking forward to that, Uh, talking NFL as well and talking ALCS, uh, and we'll see if we have a guest. We may or may not. Appreciate you listening to the show. Hope you had a good time. I had a lot of fun. Appreciate it. I'm looking forward to doing it again next week, and definitely want to thank each and every one of y'all for tuning in to the show. We definitely appreciate it. So, once again, signing off, this is Vinny Hardy. Check us out, blogtopradio.com slash cat talk. Brother Hardy Radio Network, We'll see y'all in 166 hours, and we'll do it all again. Thank you, everybody.